0: Good morning, everyone. Glad to see all of you here this morning. Uh, My name is Jim King, and I'm on the leadership team here at Outpost. And uh, I'm looking forward to what I was given this week by the Lord to share with you. Uh, Super thankful for you to come out this morning. And I'm aware, I think we're all aware, that um, most of us in our gathering this morning, are followers of Jesus. I have no idea what's going on here. I'm not, uh, hopefully, not doing anything bad. But I think most of us in here are followers of Jesus. We want to do what he uh, is leading us to do, what he showed us to do during his ministry here on the earth. But I'm also uh, pretty sure that there are a few in here this morning that would not consider themselves followers of Jesus. And I want to say we're all, you're all welcome. We're glad that you're here. And uh, hopefully each person here will get something out of the message this morning. Uh, before I start, I want to just say the last month for me has been uh, very interesting. A month ago today, my daughter Katie, who is a missionary in Honduras, had little Vivian. Uh, she had her in our home, and it was quite an experience. Her sister was gathered, her sisters were gathered around, and the midwife, and Jenny uh, was there, and they're singing over her, and they're praying over her, and it was this spiritual experience, and it was wonderful. And that same day, Jenny's mom, who was 90, had a stroke, and she knew that her time on earth was pretty short. Uh, going into that, and she had the stroke, and and a few days after that, she passed away. But before she passed away, there were uh, kids gathered around her, and grandkids gathered around her, and great-grandkids gathered around her, and they were blessing her and singing hymns uh, over her, and songs, and speaking into her, out of their love for God and what she had given to them. And so the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away in many ways. And uh, she was an example to us on the way that we want to live this Christian life that uh, God is calling us to. We sang songs this morning that uh, were a reminder of that, uh, of doing what God wants us to do. I think we're in for a special morning this morning. Our goal here in leadership at Outpost is that each one of you is going to know where we're going to be the next week. And sometimes we're going to do uh, different uh, topical messages, and we might have a series where you might not know exactly where we're going to be at the next week. But our goal is if we're going to go through a book like 1 Corinthians, uh, that you know where we're going to be at the next week, and you dive into it yourself during the week, and you get out of it everything that God might have for you. And then when you come on Sunday mornings and you hear Greg speak or myself or Tommy or or somebody else, you've already, uh, am I doing something wrong, Greg, or what? You're just trying to freak me out, all right? Uh, But you've already gotten out of God's Word a lot of things that He wants to teach you personally. Our goal here isn't for you to come and learn all you're supposed to learn through somebody speaking up front, okay? So I know that, hey, I dug in over the last 10 days or so, and I'm, I'm going down all these diff- different trails. I found it fascinating. We're, I'm going to bring it to you this morning, but I know that hopefully you got some fascinating things out of it too as you were studying, okay? Uh, why don't we just lift our time up to the Lord right now, and then we'll get started father to gather together as people who want to know you and love you better. We want to just say thank you that you allow us to do that right now in this land, in this town. We can come in here in freedom. We can sing praises to your name. We can have fellowship in your name. And we can get into your word and and, uh, learn from what you have for us. I'm thankful for that, God. There could be a day in the near future where we're not gonna be able to do this. So help us grasp this time this morning. God, if we lift up our brothers and sisters around the world that are in persecution and uh, not able to do what we're doing right now, God, may you comfort them. May you strengthen them. May you pour out your love on them and the gospel draw people to yourself, God, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we're at war. That's not usually what we want to hear on a Sunday morning when we go to church. But the reality is, is that we're at war. And these words can be shocking to some. I don't mean to belittle or cut down those of you that may have been in actual battle. What I'm talking about here is spiritual warfare. And many times... The pictures that we have in our mind about warfare are uh, based on uh, actual footage of things that we've seen in war. We don't consider ourselves at war. What we do not see oftentimes is by the design of the enemy who is at war with us. He doesn't want us to see. But we've been at war since the beginning, and it's important for us as we get into our passage Later on in First Corinthians 15, that we're aware of what is happening in the heavenly places for your soul and your mind and your heart. Now, in the heavenly realm, we can understand that there's warfare going on. We've been taught uh, about you know the Satan and Lucifer trying to become like God, and he was thrown down to Earth. And yet we don't really spend that much time understanding that since he was cast to earth, his main goal is to attack us and to make war against the created beings of God. That's his main thing. From the moment that Satan had the opportunity to attack humankind in the garden until the present time, He is at war with you, and he is at war with me. And we need to be aware that our enemy, his main purpose is to kill, steal, and destroy. And his main purpose is really after the people that God created, humankind. Is everybody okay with going here? It's not quite as fun as talking about the love of God and all these other things. We're gonna get there. Okay, but the reality is, is we have to set that foundation to understand where we're at uh, as Paul answers the Corinthian church. There's a battle raging all around us. You and I, every single day, all the moments that we're awake are being attacked. We Many of us aren't even aware of it. It's, it's in the things that we watch, the things we listen to, the schools that your kids go to, the programs that we listen to, every single thing has a design either to bring you life or to bring you death. And, and we don't even think about it. We just go through life without even worrying. Those that are aware of it oftentimes are not very uh, active in their approach to standing up against the enemy. We just accept what's going on. In this day that we live in right now, I think if we had a discussion, almost everybody in this place this morning would say the world has gone crazy. It doesn't matter what side of the aisle you're on, so to speak. People have lost their minds. The, the ability to reason, the inhabitants of the earth, regardless of geographical location, seems to have lost their minds. They've gone crazy. And we all are aware of these uh, masks and shots and mandates and there's booster shots that you have to get and then you got to get other booster shots and then you still can't go anywhere without a mask and you can't eat and we're going to shut down countries. And fear and anger is being poured out on the world right now in unprecedented ways. Schools are closed, states are closed, your kids going to classes have to wear masks and sometimes sit behind plexiglass. They can be given shots in different places by schools without parental consent. Abortions can be done without parental consent. Do we still think that we're not in a battle? What kind of war are we in here? Fear and anger everywhere. Fear and anger within our own families. Lawlessness reigns, burning down buildings, throwing things through windows, brazenly walking in and stealing things out of stores and nothing being done. People are divided. They're filled with hate for each other. They oppose each other, judging the actions and thoughts of other people. Right before our very eyes in a very short period of time, we've seen the battle being played out before us. Right has become wrong, and wrong has become right. What evil is being championed in many situations? And if you do not comply, you're going to be punished. Why is this happening? And who or what is behind it? We don't really like to talk about this kind of stuff in public, to be honest with you, but we have to understand what's happening in the heavenly realm and in, now in the natural realm that we face and why it is happening. It's happening right now. It's happening in Cody, Wyoming. It, it's happening even in some of the families, churches in our place, in our town, with our people, My friends, the Bible's filled with things from Genesis to Revelation called prophecy that talks specifically about this time of history that we're in. And there's no reason for us to pretend like it's not happening. It is happening. It was happening in the days of the church of Corinth as well. Okay, and we're going to get into that, but we have to understand before we get there what's happening in their church and why Paul is having to write to them it's about the unseen battle that's becoming part of the natural realm and we need to be aware of it ephesians 5:14 to 16 tells us wake up o sleeper be very careful then how you live because the days are evil this is in the days of Paul How much more so even in the day that we are right now on an unprecedented level all over the globe. Things can happen on the other side of the earth and we know about it instantly here. A mandate is done in a, a country far from us and immediately we see the same thing happening here. There is something behind what is happening, someone behind what is happening. So I'm going to ask you this morning, before we even get into the passage, to be careful with your steps. Be careful when you make decisions about what you're going to see, what you're going to watch, what you're going to agree with, because the enemy is at work, unlike any time in history right now. Some of you right now in here might be saying, you know, Jim, come on, really, like. Aren't you overdoing it a little bit? Like, are you, are you making some of these things up? Like, what's going on when you say we're at war? Are you, are you really being honest? And my answer to you is yes. I'm being absolutely serious with you right now. I'm not telling you take the shot or don't take the shot. I'm not telling you even want to think about it. I'm just saying be aware that there is an enemy that hate you. There's an enemy that wants you dead. There's an enemy that wants to steal life from you in every way, and it comes in a lot of different forms. Daniel chapter 10 gives us insight into this battle, and I'm gonna just go through it because I, I don't want to take too much time, but Daniel has a dream, and this dream is talking about this uh, difficult season um, It impacted Daniel so much that he went before the Lord and he prayed for three weeks. He fasted from meat and wine and different things that would have been part of his daily habit of food. And he was seeking the Lord. He didn't give up. He kept going. There wasn't an answer. On the 21st day, an angel appeared before him and basically told Daniel, hey, wait a minute, I was sent on day number one to take care of you and to answer your question, but I ran into this fierce, fallen angel that was exceedingly strong, and I battled with this person, and he oversaw the Persian nation, and you were praying from the Persian nation, and he was not going to let me in, I had to go get Michael, the archangel, the the great angel, to come help me. And finally, I was able to get through to you, and it's day 21. Does that help give us some clarity and insight into the heavenly realm and the battles that are being fought for your soul? It's important for us to understand this, okay? Principalities and kingdoms... They want us destroyed, and they're coming from this spiritual realm. Some of you might say, well, that doesn't sound very fun. I'm not sure that I want to be part of that battle. Forget it. I'm not going to be involved. You don't have a choice. You're in it. You're part of the battle. The eternity of your soul hangs in the balance do you guys understand what I'm saying here? I I want to make it super clear. The decision about what you're going to do for God is going to be where you stand in this battle. And it's important. It's going to be extremely dangerous. It's going to get more dangerous. Don't think that following Jesus is going to be like this rose garden where you just kind of... You know, everything's flowery and lovely and everything else, we're in a we're in a war. It could cost you your life. As a matter of fact, it probably will. We don't like that, but are we willing to lay down our life for the the one that we believe in? It may be coming to that. I want you to turn to the book of Revelation with me, if you would. We're not even two Corinthians yet, okay? We're going to get there. I promise. We're going to be in chapter 12 of Revelation. I'm going to start in verse 1. Now a great sign appeared in the heaven, a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon, under her feet and on her head, a garland of 12 stars. Then being with child, she cried out in labor and in pain, gave birth. And another sign appeared in heaven. Behold, a great fiery red dragon having seven heads and ten horns and seven diadems on his head. His tail drew a third of the stars of heaven, threw them to earth. And the dragon stood before the woman who was ready to give birth to devour her child as soon as it was born. She bore the male child who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron, which is in the future, a thousand-year reign. And her child was caught up to God and his throne. And the woman fled into the wilderness where she has a place prepared by God that they should feed her there 1,260 days. And war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought with the dragon. And the dragon and his angels fought, but they did not prevail nor was a place found for them in heaven any longer. So the great dragon was cast out, that serpent of old called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world. He was cast to the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. Now I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brethren, who accused them, Before our God, day and night has been cast down. And they overcame him, listen to this, three things. By the blood of the lamb, by the word of their testimony, and that they did not love their lives to the death, more than death. And what I'm talking to you about this morning, can you hear it and understand it in this passage, that from the beginning of time, there has been a battle over you, your kids, your spouse, your offspring, your grandkids, your great-grandkids. We're going to move into Corinthians now in the church, but if you don't understand the battle, you're not going to understand what was happening in the church of Corinth, Paul had gone into that city and led many people to Christ through the gospel. Verse 1 through 8 of chapter 15 that Tommy talked about, Greg's been talking about, it is the gospel. We must believe that Jesus came to earth, that he died on a cross, that he was buried in the ground, and he came back three days later, the resurrection. If we don't believe that, we do not have a relationship with Jesus That is the gospel, and the enemy of our soul is going to do everything that he possibly can to keep us from that moment where we say, yes, I believe that. I need that Savior, and I accept you. Pagan beliefs. People had infiltrated the church, and they had basically said, hey, wait a minute. This whole Resurrection thing, that's not, gonna, that's not even true. If you're going to come back to life, you're going to come back as a goat or something that you deserve because of your badness. It's called reincarnation. Okay? Then there was another group who was more spiritual. At least they would say they were. They were Sadducees. And the Sadducees basically were lawyers, and they interpreted the law, and they basically came to the conclusion there is no spiritual dimension. Everything that we have is natural. It's on the natural plane. You live your life and then you die. So Tommy talked about it last week. He said basically without the resurrection of Jesus, th- this is all a farce. What we're doing in the Christian life isn't even real. We have to believe in that. And if not, hey, eat, drink, and be merry, and you're going to die and go into the ground. That's it. Okay? Let's get into the text. Verse 35. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 35. But some will say, how are the dead raised up, and with what body do they come? It's a continuation of this question, almost a mocking in a way of, really, how do people actually come back? And And for some of us, we might have that same question. Verse 36, he says, foolish one, what you sow is not made alive unless it dies. And what you sow, you do not sow that the body shall be, but mere grain, perhaps wheat or corn or something. When you sow a seed into the ground, you're not sowing the stalk or the finished product, you're, you're sowing the seed. Okay? But God gives it body as he pleases, and to each seed its own. I think it's brilliant how Paul answered here because he's basically saying, listen, I'm going to take care of the pagans here and I'm going to take care of the Sadducees here too because the pagans basically said, you're going to come back like a goat. You're going to come back in something different in, in your next life. And Paul is basically saying, no, if you're a seed of grain and you get planted in the ground, that's what you're going to come back like when you're raised up. You're not going to plant a, a seed of corn and it's going to come back a, a turkey or something like that. It's going to stay within its DNA, okay? But he is also dealing with the Sadducees, basically saying, hey, listen, God does as he pleases, and to each seed, he's the one that brings it to its fullness. Something happens in the spiritual realm when that seed dies. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't have the capacity, I don't have the ability to put a seed in the ground and make sure that it comes up exactly the way I want it to come up and produce. We know that it's going to do that. We see that it's going to do that, but we don't have any power to do that in and of ourselves. God does. Now listen, one of the things that I found in my study, and we're not going to be able to spend a lot of time on it, but it's super interesting, and I want to make reference to it, is DNA. DNA. And uh, as we go through this, we're going to see Paul answering this question of like, hey, life after death, what happens to a glorified body? What what actually is happening here? It caught me off guard that Paul's answer really went back to Genesis chapter 1. And in Genesis chapter 1, as you guys know that you know, the creation is going on, and basically God's like, hey, I'm going to make these grasses and these plants and fruit trees and different things like that, and they're going to have a seed after its own kind. And the animals of the field, they're going to have a seed after their kind, and it just goes on and on. There's this DNA that is happening within the creation of God, and here Paul is making reference to the church in Corinth, basically saying, hey, there's a connection here to the DNA. Verse 39, all flesh is not the same flesh, but there is one kind of flesh for men, another flesh of animals, another of fish, and another of birds. There is also celestial bodies and terrestrial bodies, and the glory of the celestial is one, and the glory of the terrestrials is another. There is one glory of the sun, one glory of the moon, one glory of the stars, for one star differs from another. Now, I don't know about you guys, but the last couple nights has been pretty bright out, right? I mean, the moon's shining in, it's like, oh, I can't even sleep that well, okay? And there's this glory in the moon, what God created there. There's also glory in the sun, and the stars are fantastic. And in every scenario, the enemy has tried to come in and steal, kill, and destroy that glory. Don't worship God, worship the sun. Don't worship God, worship the moon. Worship the the trees, the animals, the plants. Don't worship, don't honor, don't stay within the DNA of the human life because that's God's centerpiece. That's his highest creation. You go to Genesis and it's the human that is made after the image of the Trinity. These other things are great. They're they're for us. They're, They're beautiful Okay, but they're not human. Okay, and and for some reason, Paul is tying that in here. In the Genesis account, all these different things stood out and were different from one another. But our enemy has hated the human race since the garden. Verse 42, so also is the resurrection of the dead meaning humans who have died. The body is sown or put into the ground in corruption. It is raised in incorruption. It is sown in dishonor, and yet it's raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a supernatural body. I really have no idea what my mother-in-law is experiencing right now, but I'm telling you, it has got to be cool. That is what awaits us if we have a faith in Jesus Christ and are walking after what he teaches us to do. Like our faith is in Jesus and the resurrection of Jesus. It's important for us to understand here that there's this natural process. God gives us life. We live our life. We're going to die. You guys, we're going to die. Maybe a few of us won't die, okay? We're going to see that later on. But most of us are going to die a physical death. And what we do during our time here on earth is very important to the time that we do die. Let's not overlook that. Okay, let, let's see that. And, and to be honest with you, some of you, the reality is, is that when I die, if, if we're still together and, and I die, don't mourn for me. I'm going from this earthly tent that falls apart to a heavenly tent that is incorruptible. It is not affected by sin. It's not attacked by the enemy. There's a freedom in that. Verse 45, and so it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being. The last Adam, Jesus, became a life-giving spirit. Praise God for that. If he didn't come back and he didn't conquer death and those things, he wouldn't be able to give us life in the way that we, we have it now. One of the commentators that I listened to basically said, hey, if you want to know what it looks like in a glorified body, go to Luke chapter 22. And it talks about Jesus after the resurrection, meeting many different people. He ate fish. He walked with people along a road. He opened their eyes to certain things. His disciples are in a, a room or a building and he just shows up. He can disappear and appear. He can eat and he can even go against our physical laws the law of gravity, to be able to go up into heaven. Now, whether that's exactly what our glorified body is going to be like or not, I don't know. But it's interesting that it's not within the same limitations of what we have now. Verse 46 to 49. in, In my opinion, an unbelievable passage of Scripture. However, the spiritual is not first but the natural, and afterward the spiritual... The first man was of the earth, made of dust. The second man is the Lord of heaven. As the earthly man, so also are those who are earthly. And as the heavenly man, so also are those who are heavenly. And here's the capstone in my opinion. And as we have become the image of the earthly man, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly man you and i when we walk through that door back here it doesn't take a lot of reason to say we're just a bunch of humans here we're not turkeys monkeys whatever we all have a similar characteristic right that we have this image of a natural man a human being but do you know do you live in the truth that you also have an image of your creator it's in your DNA. That is what he created you to do. The enemy of your soul who is at war with you wants to do anything he can to destroy that part of your DNA. Where you do not live in the fulfillment of this image. How, do you guys, how are you guys doing with this? Like, are you an image bearer? If I was to ask you, are you an image bearer of Jesus? Now, I know if you get with me, you're going to say, well, you know, he's an older guy, he's a human, you know, whatever. I want you to be able to say, that guy reminds me of Jesus. He's been with Jesus. He talks like Jesus. He does what Jesus does. That's our DNA, you guys. It is so important for us to understand that the bombardment of our enemy in this war against us is for that. If I can make... The children of God without power, that's great. There's going to be more people that are denied a relationship with God. I want us to commit to that. As as a body of people here, that we commit to this idea that God, help us be your image. Help us be your image bearer as we live out our physical days in this natural body that you give us. Dr. Robert Carter, who's a biologist working with the Genesis account group, said that DNA sequencing in the last 50 years has started to prove things biblically. We we all grew up in this world of evolution and Darwinism and all these other kinds of things which are basically trying to destroy the DNA and the image bearer that we have. Are you following me here? that's the war that we're in. But the DNA sequencing that they're starting to do right now is so in- interesting, it's basically saying it doesn't matter if it's the Y chromosome, it doesn't matter if it's the mitochondrial cortis- or the, the uh, human DNA strand, the chromosome, they are identical all over the earth. It doesn't matter what race you come from, what tribe you come from, it doesn't matter male or female, the DNA sequencing is exactly the same. We are not apes. We're not these other things that we were told that, you know, out of Africa kind of thing where, you know, the dinosaurs got feathers and they started to fly and fish went up on the, you know, those are the things that we grew up on. Those are lies. They're absolute lies of the enemy because he does not want humankind to say i was created in god's image and i'm an image bearer of jesus fascinating it doesn't matter if you're rich or poor doesn't matter your gender doesn't matter what you eat it doesn't matter any of the things that we're told right now are so important i know i got to hurry with god With God, there is no race. With God, there is no color of skin. There's no gender issues. There's no battles with him like we've created. If we're human, we were created in their image to be image bearers for him. It's no wonder the enemy's at war with us. Verse 50, now I say this, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does corruption inherit incorruption. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall be changed. Paul is switching gears here a little bit to a time in the future where he is telling us there is an event that some of us will not die, and yet we will all be changed. We will not die. We will go from corruptible to incorruptible. We will go from mortal, mortal to immortal. What is this event? In a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed I don't have time, but if you study 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and 5, it's going to go into a little bit more detail, but in the Greek, it talks about harpasos. And, and really, the meaning is where we get our word raptured. There is a time in front of us at some point that we're taken away, we're snatched away, we're taken out. The bridegroom of Jesus Christ is you and me. We have the DNA that he longs for. Hey, you come to me. You're my bride. And he is going to call us as the groom to say, you come to me now. It's a snatching. It's a taking away. And we may not die, but those who have died before us in the Lord, they're going to meet us in the air. We're going to meet them in the air. And we're going to be with them forever. Okay, that's part of our glorified body. For this corruption must put on incorruption, this mortal must put on immortal. So when this corruptible has put on incorruption and this mortal has put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. Death is swallowed up in victory. Do you understand the terminology there? Victory. They're in a battle. They're in this, hey, I could go off on that a little bit because I used to be an athlete. But the reality is there's a winner and there's a loser. There's those who are victorious and those that don't win. The symbolism here is that you can live your whole life as a human being with the DNA of the natural man and the spiritual man is there, but you choose To not follow, and that also has a spiritual ending, but not of the same kind. I hope everybody is following me with that, but death is swallowed up in victory. There is no victory anymore in death. My mother-in-law died a few weeks ago. Death took her life. She gave up her spirit at that point, but there is a time coming out of Isaiah 25.8, Oh, death, where's your sting? Oh, Hades, where's your victory? You can't hold on to these people anymore. Death is not gonna have victory there. Praise God for that. Verse 56, the sting of death is sin and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. God, through his son, gives us victory in this great battle that we are in. We cannot win that on our own, you guys. No chance. But with God, the reason that Jesus came was that we can put our faith and trust in him and live our lives for him and know that our eternal security is set. Let's pray together. Father, uh, I thank you for how you speak to us Thank you for your word, God, and that in your creation, you created us to be image bearers of you, God. Father, help us. It's not easy for us to understand what that looks like or exactly what to do, but I believe, Lord, that you'll speak to us if we ask you. Thank you for what you're doing in our body here. As we gather together around each other and we become transparent with each other, and we're not trying to hide sin issues and those kind of things because you speak to us in those ways, and the fullness of the image that you have for us comes out in those moments. And I thank you for that, God. If there's someone here this morning that doesn't have a relationship with you, Jesus, would you draw them to yourself? Don't allow the enemy to win that battle. God, I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Amen.